0: His and Hers Horror features two adults discussing horror movies, serial killers, and other spooky content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. you're listening to His and Hers Horror. My name is Tia. And I'm David. And we decided this week, I know I've said before, we are not a true crime podcast, and that still holds Mm -hmm. true. Yeah. However, there's not really any denying that events that happen in real life do have influence on the horror genre. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in certain instances, we will go ahead and we've decided we'll go ahead and do an episode that has maybe kind of a
1: more of a true crime element yeah
0: that straddles that line where this is some stuff that's happened and it's inspired horror or yeah
1: yeah i mean it's inspired some films
0: right if that is not your bag we're not going to do it very often no
1: no it's exhausting research honestly it's way easier to research movies
0: (laughs) yeah i would agree with that honestly so yeah we're gonna do we're gonna talk about cults this week and this comes from... Basically, there's some, there's some shit that went down this week. We're recording this on... Halloween. On, on Halloween. And there's some stuff that happened earlier this week in regards to a particular cult that I was very happy about. And when I was, when I was talking to people about it, it surprised me the number of people that didn't know anything about this particular cult.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. they didn't
0: even know it existed. So I wanted to use my platform to kind of let, edu- educate people... Sure, and let them know like this is the this is the kind of stuff that's it still goes on. <laughs> yeah, in our modern worlds, even in the year of our goddess twenty twenty, where everything's fucking weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it yeah, cults didn't take a hiatus this year. No, Sorry no, they
0: it. super didn't. But before we get to that, dun 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 dun, dun this weekend horror.
1: Also notice your only lifeboat of happiness here. <laughs> Possibly.
0: I mean, hopefully well, I don't know. We'll see. This this is a good, this might be kind of a downer episode, folks, so we're sorry about it.
1: We're gonna try to keep it light though. I mean if nothing else, our reactions are gonna be amazing.
0: Yeah. Ye- yes, actually.
1: <laughs> because we haven't told each other about any of the stuff we're researching, so you're going to probably be just as shocked as we are.
0: Like, we know what groups we're researching, just because we didn't want to overlap, but right. that's literally it.
1: Yeah. She doesn't know shit about what I researched.
0: No, I I do I, I know very little about it. Anyway.
1: Anyway, this week in this horror. This week in
0: horror. So, first little bit of news. I have actual news this week. I'm real excited about it.
1: And she hasn't told me that either, so I I'm, know. T- I'm terrified and excited
0: we're getting another Insidious movie. What? Yeah. Okay. So Insidious 5, it was actually announced at Bloomfest, mm-hmm. which is like a Blumhouse festival. I don't know if it's a festival or a, I don't know. Um, it was probably
1: a Zoom meeting this year.
0: Probably. <laughs> but it was announced on the 29th mm-hmm. that Patrick Wilson would be directing Oh. this one, in addition to reprising his role as Josh Lambert. From the earlier films, okay, Ty Simpkins, who played Dalton, okay, he's also coming back, and it's basically going to take place ten years after the events of the last film. It basically features like Dalton as he's getting ready to start college.
1: Okay, because I, I know this this franchise kind of did like some sidequels. Is that what they're called now? Where where they're like sequels it, it, it that kind are parallel? Yeah,
0: it kind of did some stuff that was. That had nothing to do with the Lambert family. Right. It focused more on the medium Elise Rainier. Right. But with this particular installment, we're going to focus back on the Lambert family. Mm. No word yet on whether or not Rose Byrne is going to come back. She was the wife.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: But this is actually going to be Patrick Wilson's directorial debut.
1: Well, I mean, he's been on the receiving end of a lot of rough stuff in horror. So maybe he's going to see if he can give as much as he can get.
0: Yeah. Well, and... Lee wan James Wan, and Oren Pelley are all producing. Oh, shit. So there's some pedigree there.
1: What, is Eli Roth too busy?
0: (laughs) I mean, probably.
1: Yeah, fair.
0: The other bit of news I have that Mm -hmm. is actual news. Are you familiar with the film The People Under the Stairs? Yes. It was a Wes Craven movie, came out in 91. Jordan Peele Mm -hmm. is producing a remake. Oh, there's literally no other information about it at this point. So we don't
1: know if it's connected to anything else he's done or if it's just another original one shot
0: per per the article I read on Collider. Mm -hmm. There's there's no further details. There's no information as to whether or not he's going to help with the script or whether or not he's going to direct the only information we have right now. Is that he's producing it. Okay. That's literally it.
1: And we have no idea who's attached to it or anything. No, we just there's know no other coming. news. Yeah. Okay.
0: And that's as of the 30th of October. So like just yesterday, as of, at time of recording, is when we got this tiny little nugget of information. Though, honestly, like his other stuff is so good
1: mm-hmm. that I'm
0: like... I'm willing to at least give it a shot.
1: He could do a remake of just about anything or an original anything. And I'm going to give it a shot because he's so... I mean, granted, his catalog is small, but mm-hmm. his body of work that I've seen him do both in front of and behind the camera
0: mm-hmm.
1: has never let me down.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like... I feel that same way about Ari Aster. Mm-hmm. Like... I will say I prefer Midsummer to Hereditary, mm. but they're both very—they're both so good that whenever he comes out with another movie, like I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, I'm down. Let's watch it.
1: God, Ari Aster Jordan Peele mashup.
0: Oh God, <laughs> that
1: would—it would either be awesome or absolutely terrible because it would just clash. It'd be like peanut butter and tuna sandwich.
0: Right. Exactly. Ew. Gross.
1: Yeah. Sorry.
0: So I have—I also have two trailers. Okay. For for folks to check out this week.
1: Have I seen them? Yes. Okay. <laughs> sometimes I don't Yes know. Well sometimes she's like I'll show it to you later And I'm like uh, No when? these
0: These we We have definitely watched okay. One one we watched last night And the other one we watched Like two nights ago Okay The first one Is the one we watched last night What lies below Oh yeah 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 It's There's not There's almost nothing on it I, I have Again I have no info on when this movie Will be released mm-hmm. But again It's a really It's a really weird time right now So who the fuck knows So basically
1: if it comes early, it's a surprise.
0: I mm, I don't know. But what lies below, basically, there is, is this uh, teenage girl. Her name is Liberty. Mm-hmm. Who is very suspicious of her mother's fiancé, John. He just seems really... There's something off about him.
1: He's hot as fuck, though. He's
0: super hot, yeah. But there's something off about him. And when you're watching the trailer, you're, you're getting, like, serial killer... Molesty kind of vibes. Yeah, and then it takes a hard fucking right turn. So hard. Yeah. Instead of just believing he might be a serial killer, she's just like, "What?"
1: Just laughing at my own joke.
0: Oh, what joke? You'll find out. Fuck. All right. Um. (laughs) Anyway, she starts to think he might not be entirely human.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh. It it, at least. I I, yeah. That's right. Because I looked up and I was like, okay. I'm I'm paying attention. I even said out loud because I'm weird.
0: Yeah. No, I get it. The other movie I have information on the trailer for this looked really fucking good. Mm. Songbird.
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. With uh, with uh, Archie.
0: Yeah, so it's it's basically Songbird. It is a it's a Michael Bay produced pandemic film. Yep. And it's, it's that
1: time. <laughs> it's
0: currently in post production. Yeah. So it stars, as you mentioned, KJ Apa, mm-hmm. who is Archie on Riverdale. Sophia Carson, who Disney Channel folks will recognize as Evie from the Descendants franchise, mm-hmm. Craig Robinson, Demi Moore, Bradley Whitford, and Peter Stormare are all in this.
1: So it's it's stacked.
0: It looks really good, and basically, so the the premise of the movie is it's 2022, mm-hmm. and there is a pandemic that has ravaged the world. And it's cities to the point that, to, well, to the point that like martial law is declared mm-hmm. and like you can be shot on sight and st- stuff like that. And it basically centers on a small group of people as they kind of navigate the obstacles of living in that kind of society, mm-hmm. dealing with the disease, the way the governments are handling it, the yeah, whole quarantine
1: the isolation. The of, isolation, yeah, yeah.
0: vigilantes, people using positions of power for personal gain, all kinds of shit.
1: Yeah, it seems unbelievable. It, I, don't, I don't think that would ever happen.
0: <laughs> well, and the the, the thing is, yeah. if I remember, the the disease in the film yeah. is actually a mutation of COVID.
1: I think they called it COVID-23.
0: I think so, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so. so. Let's hope this film is a fantasy, folks. Wear a mask. Don't be dumb.
0: Yeah, wash your damn hands. Yeah. Stay away from people.
1: Don't put foreign objects in places that can get you sick.
0: Yeah. So that's all I have for this week in horror. Yay. So that was the ha- that was the, the the fun jokey part of the episode.
1: Trust me, you will find <laughs> something to laugh at later too. I promise you that. Okay, I can fair. promise you that.
0: Fair. So before we get into the shit, yes, I do fair warning to our audience mm-hmm. because I love you all, and I don't want to cause any undue stress. Mm -hmm. So I am giving fair warning to everyone. This episode contains discussion of topics that some people may find triggering. Yes. That includes terrorism, suicide, sexual assaults, that kind of shit. So if you feel like that might not be good for you and you want to skip this one, we absolutely, totally understand.
1: I promise you, I'm not going into any graphic detail, but it does touch on these subjects.
0: I, I am also not going to go into really into graphic detail. I just, I'm going to mention mm-hmm. like sexual assault and stuff like that. And so I want to at least warn people and give them an out. Absolutely. So yeah, if you want to skip this one, go back and listen to horror comedy.
1: Yeah, or any of the other 26 episodes.
0: Yeah. Go back and listen to, if you want to, or hey, go over and listen to, uh, go listen to the new Friday the 13th. It's a really good one. Yeah. Do that too.
1: And then come back to us.
0: Yeah. Whatever.
1: Yeah.
0: Anyway, we, we, we love and respect you all. And so we just wanted to mention and give that little warning mm-hmm. before we get into the the heavy shit. So are we ready to get into the heavy shit? Are you motherfuckers ready for the new shit? Yes. <laughs> all right. So to start us off, I kind of have, I gave the definition of cults in our fictional cults Mm -hmm. episode, but I I do want to go ahead and give it again, just as a refresher. So a cult is defined as a social group that has unusual religious, spiritual, or philosophical beliefs, or by a common interest in a particular personality, object, or goal. And... I've kind of expanded on that this time in looking at specifically three different types of cults. Mm-hmm. The first is destructive cults. Okay. Destructive cults generally refers to groups where the members have either, through deliberate action, they've physically injured or killed other members of their own group or other people. Okay. So examples would be the People's Temple, mm. which I mentioned also in our cults episode. So if you're familiar with Jonestown, Jim Jones, that kind of that kind of deal, they would be considered a destructive cult. Also, to an extent, the Branch Davidians, specifically the group that was led by David Koresh in Waco. Another type of cult we have is a doomsday cult.
1: Okay, pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward.
0: The end is not. The yeah, they. They believe in an apocalyptic future and they either are like trying to bring it about or sometimes they just like are predicting disasters, Mm -hmm. that kind Mm -hmm. of deal. Examples include Heaven's Gate. Yeah. They were a group that uh, committed mass suicide in 1994, I believe, led by Marshall Applewhite. The Manson family technically could be considered a doomsday cult just because of his whole helter-skelter belief that there right. was, like, an apocalyptic race war that was going to happen. Right. And then the Order of the Solar Temple
1: hmm.
0: would also be... Ki-
1: hmm mm-hmm.
0: There's a knowingness to that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, there is.
0: Okay. Maybe we'll learn more about that here shortly. Perhaps. <laughs> the last one I have is a political cult. Hmm. So political cult is a cult with a primary interest in, like, political action and ideology. Typically... For you to be considered a a political cult, you either have to advocate extremely far left or extremely far right agendas. Does that make sense?
1: I'm still trying to figure out in the current political climate how that's any different from a political affiliation.
0: It's... (laughs) I, I'm not exactly sure, and then there are some subsections where I'm like, "Well, does this is this a political cult, or is this another kind of cult? Right. It's, it's weird." But specific examples that I found when doing my research was the Laroche movement,
1: mm.
0: the Iron Guard, that and that just sounds ominous, and Colonia Dignidad in Ooh, Chile. Yes, so those would be, all be considered political cults. There, so I in I only researched one cult just because there was so much
1: we both selected like four or five cults to look at and then we're like there's there's too, there's much. too much
0: there's too much so since i only have one y- you had two don't you
1: yes i do have two
0: okay so do you want to do one of yours first and then i'll do mine and then we can do your other one or do you want me to just do mine and then you go can ahead and do, do yours?
1: yours because i feel like mine can my two can help cleanse our okay. listeners of the others
0: fair that is a fair statement sir um,
1: choosing my words carefully.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Since so, since yours is most topical, I think mine you think
0: is mine first. Is, mine is extremely topical.
1: Only on the skin.
0: Well, you, mm, anyway, <laughs> we're gonna get into skin here in a minute. Uh, yeah. Mm, okay. So I have chosen to talk about Nexium.
1: Isn't that a heartburn medication? It it is.
0: There is there is a medication called Nexium. This is not that. Is they it, have nothing to do with each other. Is it spelled differently? <laughs> it is spelled differently. Nexium the cult is spelled N X I V M.
1: That that's that's not a word.
0: Yeah, I know, but it's pronounced Nexium.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: Yeah. So the leadership, there, the main leadership consists of four people. The top one being Keith Rainieri.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He actually was often referred to as Vanguard. By followers <laughs> because Never, of a video n- n- game.
1: Uh, really? Have
0: you heard of the video game Vanguard?
1: I was just thinking, don't use your gamer tag as your name if you're going to start a cult.
0: No, and th- there's a video game called Vanguard, and that's where he got the name. He was the co-founder and leader.
1: Mm.
0: Other co-founder was Nancy Salzman. She was actually referred to as Prefect. Like, okay. Yeah, because it basically she was referred to as Prefect because she was seen as his first student
1: essentially uh, gagging already
0: I know save it we're, we're going to yeah next was Allison Mack
1: okay Allison Wait, Mack I know, I know that name
0: she because she was an actress mm she was on smallville oh. the his the blonde friend mhm that's Allison Mack oh shit she was actually a recruiter a lot of people called her Rainieri's like right hand person essentially in the group she recruited for Nexium in general, but also specifically for a subsect group called DOS within Nexium, which I will get to here in a little bit.
1: Video game references and DOS. Are, are we going into coding languages well, here? DOS or?
0: stands for something, but I'll okay. get to that later.
1: It does not mean anything at the moment.
0: No, it will later. Uh, the last one is uh, Claire Bronfman. She is actually the heiress to Seagrams. Oh. Yeah. She was not only a member of high leadership, she's also responsible for a lot of the funding. Specifically, I saw there was an instance where she quote-unquote loaned Keith Mm. Rainieri and Nancy Salzman $2 million. But yeah. So this particular group, it was actually founded in 1998. Wow. Which is... I feel like that seems very recent, but then I also remember that I'm 35.
1: Right. so So... But I mean, I mean, that was a year after I graduated high school. Yeah,
0: it's not super long ago. So it was founded as a personal development company, basically. They, it's really weird. They did these seminars. People taking part in the training were required to sign non-disclosure agreements, which you think is really weird for a quote, quote, self-help company.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, is is the NDA for something like, you know, if they have like group sessions and you share something you know no one can talk about it it was almost
0: exclusively to protect nexium so like they had like membership manuals and you had to sign an nda saying you would not share the contents of that manual with anybody outside nexium in any way shape or form good grief yeah Basically they offered personal and professional development seminars through what they called the Executive Success Program. Rainieri basically claimed that the program's main emphasis is to have people experience more joy in their lives. They basically to like to
1: pay for how to learn how to do this.
0: But yeah, it was you paid. You definitely paid for these seminars. Mm. Nexium actually featured a 12-point mission statement which participants recited during class. Pledging themselves to purge themselves of all parasite and envy-based habits, they were also actively encouraged to recruit other people to the group.
1: That's starting to sound like a pyramid scheme.
0: Well, funny enough, Keith Rainieri actually had previously been convicted of multi-level marketing schemes. Yeah.
1: So, so basically, he just took the business model he knew. He, that he basically got convicted turned, for. yeah
0: he basically turned a pyramid scheme into a cult shit one of the other goals of the group was to quote ethically control as much of the money wealth and resources of the world as possible
1: yeah okay okay hang on hang on yeah ethically control and you're talking about a resource provided by other people yes hmm I'm trying to let that one sink in and uh, that one's not reverberating well with me
0: no no it's yeah It's that's you
1: give me your money and I will tell you what you can use yeah that's, no. Ew. Ew, uh, no.
0: During Nexium classes, rank was actually displayed through colored sashes.
1: Wait, hang, okay. Is kinda this like, a, is kinda this kinda a like, cult or a Taekwondo class? Uh,
0: you kind of find when you do research about Nexium that they kind of decided to like pick and choose mm. bits of different things. They borrowed stuff from Ayn Rand. They borrowed stuff from Elron Ron Hubbard. They borrowed some stuff from Isaac Asimov. It's just it's very yeah, i know it's very weird. Oh, I have more. <laughs>
1: oh shit. There's there's so there's more to this than just yeah. financial shit obviously. Yeah,
0: Nexium actually taught its followers that there were some people that they that they, they called suppressives that would try to impede the progress of Nexium from within basically. Mm. And anybody who turned against Rainieri was said to have undergone quote the fall uh and they were labeled in the words of a former member as luciferians lost people for whom bad feels good and good feels bad
1: I wonder how the luciferians felt about this group calling their outcasts luciferians is
0: luciferians actually yes. a thing oh i didn't know that i thought it was just a bullshit made up word like everything else
1: nah. <laughs> okay
0: okay so i'll get into some more other fun details about the group here in a second well not fun they're not fun i don't know why i said that so actually the group was you asked early about non-disclosure about the ndas Mm -hmm. and stuff like that there was actually a lawsuit that nexium filed in 2003 okay against a former cult member stephanie franco and our good friend rick allen ross rick allen ross you will recall he's a uh deprogrammer and cult investigator.
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh
0: you've we've seen interviews with him on different on different documentaries mm-hmm. and yeah. stuff. I I mentioned him in the fictional cults episode. So basically, at some point Rick Allen Ross got a copy of Nexium's membership manual from Stephanie Franco. Uh oh. Because she had at this point she had left the group and I don't know what series of events led to her giving him the book. I have no idea I don't know. That isn't I didn't go too much into that part. But basically, he gave this manual, in addition to looking into it himself, he also had some psychiatrists look at it. And he posted their assessment of the manual on his website.
1: I bet that went over like a lead balloon.
0: Well, considering what they said, yeah. The psychiatrist's assessment of Nexium's secret manual called the regimen expensive brainwashing. And because he published that breakdown and several other things from the manual, Nexium actually sued the Ross Institute. Basic- Who
1: didn't sign an NDA?
0: Well, no, but Stephanie did.
1: Okay. So and by her- giving
0: him the book, well, she actually was a co defendant. Basically, they alleged copyright infringement for publishing excerpts from the manual. And then...
1: Wouldn't it have been cited?
0: Because because Stephanie signed an NDA Uh, not to divulge the information from the manual, he shouldn't have had that information in the first place. Him having it basically was illegal.
1: Did they win the suit? No. Good.
0: They filed the suit in New York and New Jersey, but it was dismissed in both courts
1: why because everything's legal in new jersey
0: well the 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 group is based in it, new york
1: it's a hamilton reference folks i'm yes, not saying is. everything is le- actually legal in new jersey
0: yeah it's a hamilton reference anyway disclaimer yeah no the group is actually based in new york actually near albany okay so they they filed in new york i'm not sure why they filed in new jersey
1: maybe the maybe the ross institute is in new
0: jersey i have no fucking idea who knows either way they lost or the case was dismissed basically so now I'm going to get into the really heavy shit, because previously, like you look at the breakdown here and of paying paid self-help with different colored sashes and controlling the wealth. And that all seems a bit silly.
1: It seems a bit silly. But I mean, I've seen some shit in the 80s and 90s where I'm like, all right, you know what, if it makes if it makes someone and take someone from from the dregs of their own inner self to, you know, actually feel good about themselves, even if they don't do great but they at least love themselves
0: Well because there are self-help groups and self-help seminars that are actually helpful
1: And you do pay for them often
0: and you do have to pay for them but sometimes but most of the time I would say they are not insidious mm. They're not yeah. they're not with the goal of hurting the person or isolating them or anything untoward. It's legitimate it's a legitimate self-help deal right Nexium was not that. when it comes down to it. Most former members have said it's a cult. It's very much culty behavior. You're not supposed to leave the group. If you leave the group, you're shunned. That kind of stuff. So the thing that takes Nexium for me from bullshit weirdness that you shouldn't take seriously into holy fucking shit, that's horrible territory is DOS, aka The Vow. It was a subgroup within Nexium. DOS stands for, you were asking me earlier what it meant. Yeah. It stands for, let me look real close at this so I don't fuck it up. Dominus Obsequius Sororium.
1: Okay, okay. My Latin isn't perfect, but.
0: I uh, have the translation.
1: <laughs> I am not thrilled by the translation in my head.
0: So Dominus Obsequious Sororium translates mm-hmm. to the obsequious sister. Obsequious meaning obedient or attentive to an excessive or servile degree. Yeah. So this was a subgroup inside nexium that was exclusively made of women, mm-hmm. a select group of women who were recruited by Allison Mack. Like that was her main job inside Nexium was recruiting women to DOS. Select women were taken to Mack's home near Albany and were branded in a ceremony by a person with a medical degree, by the way. Members who received this brand would later realize that it was actually a stylization of Keith Ranieri's initials.
1: What what, what did they think it was initially?
0: It looked the way it was done. And Mm. you can see this when you look at pictures of it. It just looks like a weird symbol.
1: Like an esoteric mark or something It looks like like an
0: esoteric, yeah, like a rune or something like that. It looks very, but when you really look at it, when it's pointed out to you that it's this motherfucker's initials. Ew. That's when you're like, holy shit. Ew. Yes. According to prosecutors... After the women were recruited to join, Alice and Mac used tactics such as blackmail to force them to engage in sexual activity with Keith Ranieri against their will and enslaved them to do menial tasks for which Mac was actually paid by Ranieri. This like,
1: doesn't sound like empowerment or professional development. No,
0: no. And the thing, the other thing about Nexium, it was very gender focused. So there were like, seminars that were specific for men seminars that were specific for women it was very
1: i'm gonna ask a gross question go for it what bullshit did men have to put up with
0: there was some it's not as as focused on as this kind of shit that the women had to deal with there was no sexual assaults for the men in the group it was more emotional abuse. See,
1: know, I don't know if that pisses me off more or less because, you know, I, I would presume a cult like this would at least be equal opportunity.
0: It's super not. It's a lot of in, in a lot of the stuff that I saw for like the women's based seminars was very like the stuff that happened to you is your fault and you just need to rise above Ugh. it kind of thing.
1: No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No.
0: So let's move on to the good part. Okay. This is actually good. Criminal charges! Yay!
1: (laughs) This week, yeah?
0: Well, the sentencing was this week.
1: Sentencing was this week. Criminal
0: charges actually came down in 2018. So, in March 2018, Rainieri was arrested Mm -hmm. and indicted on charges of sex trafficking, sex trafficking conspiracy, and conspiracy to commit forced labor. He was convicted of sex trafficking and racketeering in June of 2019 and... Just this week, he was sentenced to 120 years in prison. So he will be in prison for the rest of his fucking life. Good. Yes. Other members of the group, high-ranking members, have also been arrested. Mm -hmm. Nancy Salzman was also arrested uh, in March 2019. She actually pled guilty uh, to uh, charge of racketeering criminal conspiracy. Allison Mack was arrested and charged she has pled guilty to racketeering conspiracy she hasn't been sentenced yet mm-hmm. and then claire bronfman was arrested in 2018 and charged with money laundering identity theft in connection with nexium specifically she pled guilty to quote conspiracy to conceal and harbor illegal aliens for financial gain and to fraudulent loot use of identification so she was uh, sentenced in September of this year. Actually, she's getting she's got six years, nine months in prison, and she also has to pay like a five hundred thousand dollar fine, and she has to pay restitution to a victim of like a hundred thousand dollars.
1: Just one victim.
0: One specifically. Oh, okay. So you would think, with all these high ranking members going being arrested and putting in prison and all this stuff coming out, you would think that that's the end of shit, right? Yeah. It's no, not
1: no, knowing what I know now. Yeah, no.
0: Knowing how some of these, how some of this shit yeah. works. Yeah, no. There are still active members
1: because, of course, there are
0: reportedly as many as sixty active members, which is not a lot. No, but still. Beginning in July of 2020, there are at least six Nexium loyalists who organize dance protests outside the detention center where. Keith Rainieri is they operate under the name we are as you and dancers include actress Nikki Klein who was on uh, Battlestar Galactica and Danielle Roberts who actually is the doctor that performed the brandings at Allison Mack's house in addition to that Uh. Rainieri actually still maintains leadership of the cult from within prison like he still communicates with his followers by phone so basically what he's what he's doing, what they figured out that he's doing is when he asks for a phone call, which is his protected right, he is using a fake name when he tells people, the, the prison officials who he's going to call. And when he calls them, his followers are using burner phones, so they can't be traced.
1: Um, so how is he getting the numbers for these burner phones? I'm not sure. Unless these... Burner phones are all well, getting assigned the same number or they're clone phones or something like that
0: or if you're a lawyer and you're listening to this correct me if i'm wrong but i'm fairly confident when it comes to our the legal system in the united states conversations between a defendant and their attorney are confidential
1: mm-hmm. that's my understanding of it
0: yes so it's entirely possible that his attorney who is likely a nexium follower or because why wouldn't they be something like that is giving him these phone numbers Yeah, it's entirely possible Um, on a recent phone call he told a follower to quote get scrutiny on the judge in his case saying quote the judge needs to know he's being watched (sighs) yeah so if you listener would like to know more about this group I don't know why you would but, uh, you know, if you this was for educational purposes, because, again, when his conviction came down, I was so ecstatic. I got the news alert on my phone at work and I just did like a a happy like arm like, yes, kind of deal.
1: Right, right. And someone you were was going to punch me there for a second. No,
0: I just was like, heck, yeah. And I was really excited. Mm. And one of my coworkers was like, oh, did you get some good news? And I'm like, yeah, Keith Rainier he's going to prison. And they're like, who? I'm like the leader of Nexium. And they're like. What's Nexium? And it, and I found that a couple times that day, the number of people that I was sharing this good news, what I thought was good news, with had no idea who who or what I was talking about. So I I wanted to talk about them. It's not. It sucks to it sucks to hear they did some horrible shit. Mm-hmm. But I wanted people. I wanted to let people know what happened and give them at least part of the story. If you are interested in more of the story, there are actually several documentaries. Mm-hmm. The first one is called Seduced Inside the Nexium Cults. That one is on Stars. The next one is called The Vow, and that is a docu-series from HBO. Right. And then the last one I have, this this is actually I this is actually how I learned about Nexium. We were watching, there's a show on, it was originally done by A&E, but it's on Hulu called Cults and Extreme Beliefs. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the very first episode is about Nexium. So that's all, that's all I have about Nexium. Do we want to shake shake the, shake it out before we move on?
1: Uh, Yeah, this actually has inspired me to invert my order of of cults (laughs) because I'm going to go with the grosser one first. Oh, hooray. And then end with the one that's going to have the most reactions, probably. All right. But first, I want to bring up a word, because I found a word today that kind of ties into something you were talking about earlier, and it ties into both of the cults I have.
0: Okay, go for it.
1: It is called syncretism.
0: You mentioned that earlier. You asked me about it, and I was like, uh ah. do
1: And this is a word that is the combining of different beliefs while blending practices of various schools of thought. Um, it can involve merging or assimilation of several originally discrete traditions, Uh, especially in theology and mythology. Okay. um, Of religion, basically giving it an underlying unity and allowing an inclusive approach to other faiths.
0: So kind of like, I like aspects of this thing and this thing. So I'm going to take them and mix them together. So it, so kind of like the shit Renieri did where he was like, I like some of the shit a- Ayn Rand says, and I like some of the shit L. Ron Hubbard says, and, and I like this video game. So I'm going to call myself Vanguard.
1: In doing my research, I realized <laughs> this is a common thread with a lot of cults, especially ones that want to recruit many people. Yeah. Or ones that want to be very secretive because in both directions, whether you're wanting a lot of attention or you're wanting to, you know, recruit select people having something that if seven out of eight slices of a pizza appeal to you, you're probably going to stick around for the pizza. You just don't get that other slice.
0: Well, and it's kind of similar to, you know, early Christians using like changing the holidays to correspond with pagan holidays to make it easier to convert them. That kind of deal.
1: Yeah. I still want my holidays back. Seriously. But you're, you're going to, you're going to see that. And I just wanted to give you that word because usually Tia handles definitions, but I just wanted to give you a word that now you can use and say, Wow, oh, my uh, current corporate culture is a syncretic. Yeah. It, it borrows a little bit from this and a little bit from that. And Our printer still doesn't work. Yeah. All right. So the two cults I have, there are movies and documentaries related to them. Okay. The first one does have a movie. Okay. And I'm going to apologize in advance because uh, I'm going to be speaking a total of three languages technically. Okay. <laughs> in the next thirty minutes or so. One or of them.
0: One of them is English, right?
1: Yes, okay. one of them is in English. Okay. <laughs> this, I, I swear this podcast is not switching languages or anything, but I'm I may potentially butcher some words, so I'll Fair. do my best. So the first one, there are two pieces of media that are connected to to it. The first is a TV movie, which aired in France on December twelfth, two thousand five. For for our one listener who lives in France, who was around. On December 12th, 2005, you may have seen it or switched channels from it. Just saying. I don't know what time it aired, but yeah. probably 8 p.m. I'm guessing.
0: Probably about the time TV movies
1: usually air. Yeah. There's also a documentary that has the exact same name, so it could get really confusing. You can find them both on IMDb. I don't know if we can get a hold of it. I I really wanted to at least watch some of it, but all I could find were pictures, and I'm like, that doesn't tell me anything. Uh... What's the name of it? Well, the name of the film and the documentary is Lord du Temple Solaire.
0: Okay. Is this the Order of the Solar Temple?
1: This is the Order of the Solar Temple.
0: No wonder you were giving me looks. Well,
1: they go by many names, or have gone by many names, or have actually existed as multiple different groups that are completely disparate of each other.
0: That's weird. Okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, there There are a handful of groups that have used... This name or variations of it. Okay. So I don't... I want to be very specific about which specific order of the solar temple I'm talking about. Uh, to give you an idea, they're known as the International Chivalric Organization of the Solar Tradition. Okay. They're also known as the Order of the Solar Temple or the Solar Temple or OTS. So... Y'all
0: just pick a name.
1: I'm going to give you some dates and some names and those Jesus. are the group. Okay. Um So this particular group that I'm going to be focusing on was started by uh, Joseph de Mambro and Luc Jauré in Geneva in 1984.
0: Okay, so like right before I was born.
1: Right. Now keep 1984 in mind. It's going to come back later. It's a good year. It it was a good year and a book by Orwell. Read it. Read books. Anyway, the reason I bring up the variants because researching this got a little difficult because... Some are attributing the creation of the Order of the Solar Temple to a French author, Jacques Breyer, uh, who established the Sovereign Order of the Solar Temple in 1952. Okay. Uh, this in- is starting
0: to sound a lot like like Catholic churches that are all named like Our Lady of Sorrow and, and shit like that when you're like, okay, and which Our Lady of Sorrow do you mean?
1: <laughs> Our Lady of Sorrow on Tuesdays, but only when it's cloudy but not rainy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, in 1968, there was an offshoot dubbed the Renewed Order of the Solar Temple, or R-O-T-S. For fuck's sake. It spells ROTS. When you're making a secret order, please check your acronyms. Make sure it doesn't spell something that people are going to be like, you guys are rotten. You're yeah. ROTS. Mm-hmm. Now, that was under the leadership of uh, Julien Origa, a uh, French right-wing neo-Nazi political activist.
0: Ew. There are several words in that sentence I don't like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, now, I have some information specifically about the Order of the Solar Temple that I'm focusing on here. Yes. Um, and this is according to uh, a gentleman who went by the name of Peronic. Okay. Or Peronique. Uh, it was a pseudonym of a temple member named Robert Chabier. He wrote a book. Uh, okay. Do you want, me a- you want me to... No. No, I got it. I got it. <laughs> Pourquoi les ressurgences de l'ordre du Temple or why a revival of the order of the solar temple volume one the body which was published in 1975 okay citing my sources folks
0: that your french didn't sound too bad
1: i have uh only myself to think I, I never took french formally so i'm just doing my best here uh on pages 147 through 149 it lays out the aims of the sorter sorter we'll get to the sword later uh it The aims of the Order of the Solar Temple included establishing correct notions of authority and power in the world. You're making a face.
0: I'm just... Correct notions. Okay.
1: Continue. An affirmation of the primacy of the spiritual over the temporal. Okay. Assisting humanity through a great transition.
0: This is starting to sound not good. I mean, it's already sounded not good, but I'm, I'm liking this less and less.
1: And preparing for the second coming of Christ as a solar God-king and furthering a unification <laughs> of all Christian churches and Islam.
0: <laughs> no. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Sorry.
1: So, Jure... The,
0: I'm not saying that the second coming isn't going to happen. I'm saying the unification of all Christian churches and Islam is not going to happen.
1: I mean, you can't get two churches, you know, three blocks apart to coordinate a bake sale yeah so i mean yeah i don't know
0: you can't even you can't get catholics and protestants to get along and they believe basically all the same shit so yeah no
1: so this group the one founded in 1984 by jure and de mambro or de mambro uh reportedly uh hey, drew mambro. S-
0: mambro italiano sorry I'm sorry was it worth it no no
1: Okay, So the group that I was focusing on, the 1984 group with yeah. Jure and DeMambro, they drew some inspiration from their teachings that they kind of borrowed from a little-known British occultist by the name of Alistair Crowley. Ah, oh, fuck. Now, he was the head of the Order of Eastern Temple from 1923 to his death in 1947.
0: Why, oh, Fuck. Because I, I know Crowley seems, I, I don't know. It just seems like that's a...
1: They shouldn't have stolen from Crowley, honestly. No,
0: that's a bad... Don't do that.
1: And uh, he was, another group was briefly associated with Crowley, and that was uh, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. That's a pretty big one. In, yeah. In spiritualism circles and whatnot. Yes, it is. So I'd like to point out that the OTS was picking and choosing where and what to identify with as it suited them. Right. Perhaps in the hopes for either recruitment or to drive away the casuals, you know, because you got to keep in mind that in 1984, there was a huge self-help movement. Uh, Now this wasn't just in like one place in Ohio or something like that. This was in France, in Quebec, Canada, in uh, several places. I'm going to get into in a minute.
0: Oh God. I think I'm remembering this now.
1: So the group's doctrine primarily was a mix of Christian identity with a UFO religion, New Age philosophy, and a handful of adapted Freemason-inspired rituals.
0: What? Um, that okay? Why? That's so fucking. That's so random.
1: Thank you. Jesus. I didn't. I didn't create it, but yes, you're right. It is. It that is, is really random. Some
0: random bullshit. <laughs>
1: um. We
0: like Jesus, but we also believe in aliens.
1: Alien Jesus. <laughs> I'm gonna get so much hate from this. I'd fuck it. Within the group's hierarchy, the top 33 members, because this was, of course, a ranked group.
0: Right. Most cults are. Uh,
1: the top 33 members were known as the Elder Brothers of the Rosy Cross.
0: Was it just guys that were in this, or were there also women that were part of the upper circle? The...
1: They were guys.
0: Oh, fuck that.
1: And the Rosy Cross is a, is a reference to the Rosicrucian uh, movement. Lot- they had lodges in Quebec, Canada, Australia, Switzerland, Martinique, France, as well as many other countries. Okay. Dimambro, uh, during ceremonies, claimed uh, the sword he used in the group's rituals was an authentic sword from the Knights Templar given to him a thousand years ago in a previous life.
0: Probably not. I'm willing to bet he. I was going to say he probably got it off the internet, but not in 1984. He didn't. No, 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 not off the internet.
1: <laughs> Um, so at this point we're like, okay, who cares what they're, they're not hurting anybody. They're playing dress up, you know, what do you think? Mostly harmless. That's how this shit always fucking starts. Mostly harmless. Yeah. Uh, well, um.
0: Shit. Even the people's temple started out as, as a good idea that went too far.
1: How long do you think this could go on before it turns, before it breaks bad, if you will?
0: Uh, let me think. Carry the one. Sixteen years? You
1: overshot it a bit. Give it ten.
0: Oh dang! I was trying not to do a multiple of five.
1: Now, now, fans of patterns and conspiracies are going to start to see a pattern in the two that I am bringing to you. All right. So, ten years after the foundation in October of 1994. <gasps> Wait a shit sec. got real. What? 1994. 1994. Hail bop Oh shit! Was Hail bop in 1994? Yes. Holy shit. Yes. A lot. Wow. Because,
0: because Heaven's Gate was also a, u- a UFO cult. And they believed that there was a spaceship hiding in the tail of Halley's Comet. That's why they, uh, they did a ritual suicide. To leave their earthly bodies and join the ship.
1: Let's put a pin in that. Oh, and we'll come back to that in just a moment. <laughs> okay. So, in October of 1994, allegedly... DeMambro ordered the brutal killing of someone identified as the Antichrist, who happened to be an infant.
0: Oh, don't hurt babies.
1: Uh, yeah, that's, that's the part that I wrote in my notes and then was like, I need to take a shower because I feel gross now. Okay. Several days later, DeMambro and 12 of his followers performed a ritual last supper. Days later, mass suicides and murders were conducted in two villages in western Switzerland. Uh, More members were later discovered in Switzerland in a temple filled with mirrors and Templar iconography. In Moran Heights, Quebec, 15 inner circle members committed suicide by poison. An additional 30 to 40 were found shot, smothered, or killed by other means. Many believers left farewell letters saying that they believed they were leaving to escape the hypocrisies and oppressions of this world. Okay, Kind of sounds like some of the stuff that the folks with Heaven's Gate were we're wanting to do.
0: Although, quick retraction, that was actually in 1997.
1: Okay, so I had nothing to do with them, but you know, I mean, still yeah, same MO.
0: Still, same MO. Um,
1: another group of 16 members were found in the uh, Vercor Mountains in France, laid out in a star pattern.
0: Yeah, I do remember this now.
1: Now, there were a few mass murders and suicides that were allegedly thwarted. However, these events continued to go well into the late 90s, uh, timed with the solstices and equinoxes of the seasons. So, yeah, there's that. On the upside, whether you're looking for the TV movie that I can guarantee you is in French or the documentary, at least it's the same search name.
0: Fair. I I'm pretty sure there was an episode of one of the true crime series that I watched that talked about this.
1: I'm pretty sure there was because I... now
0: I'm starting to remember because it was really because they were like finding
1: yeah, they were finding bodies. They all were over finding
0: the bodies all over the world.
1: Yeah, yeah, it it was kind of grim.
0: Yeah, at least Heaven's Gate they were all in one place.
1: <laughs> Those silver linings.
0: Well, it, I mean, you know <laughs> what? Cleanup's easier.
1: Oh, jeez. Yeah, that got grim. So let's keep going grim. Yeah. So this actually does have a film that is related, as well as two documentaries. Okay. I'm gonna lead with the film, so if you just wanna go and watch that and not listen to this other stuff, although this stuff does get interesting, it's not super grim, but it, it could be potentially triggering Yeah. So the film is called Distance. Came out in two thousand one. Okay. Uh, now while it is a drama, so everyone's already tuning out, taking head headphones out, hear me out. Any drama dragged on long enough becomes a horror. Yeah. So do with that as you will. I mean I I find some horrors to be just slow dramas. So there you go. It's a balance. The neat thing about this film that might get someone to watch a drama that they wouldn't normally watch. It is featuring an early performance from an actor named Arata or Arata Irua currently plays uh, Tetsu Tachibana from Yakuza 0. Okay. And also stars Yusuke Iseya, who listeners may know as, do you remember the movie 13 Assassins from 2010? Yes. Okay. He played Koyada Kiga from that movie. Okay. He's also the voice of Jotaro Kujo from Jojo's Bizarre Adventure: Diamond is Unbreakable, Chapter One. Nice. And Oishi Shinomori from Riony Kinshin. Oh, cool. Anyway, as we can see, this is already a long episode, so I'm right. Gonna, uh, I'm gonna try to keep things up up pace anyway. Okay, and- go for it. Here we go. So the movie Distance follows the story of members of a cult that are modeled after Aum Shinrikyo, who sabotage a city's water supply and then commit mass suicide on the shore of a lake, and focuses on the family members who are affected by this, who meet at the same shore to observe the anniversary of their loved one's death. Okay. So it's kind of like, you know, the Im- the impact, the story doesn't end with you if you do something stupid like that. There's a ripple effect, and it kind of shows that ripple effect. Uh, there's a documentary from 1998 titled A, just the letter A, and another one titled uh, The Atonement, not to be confused with the movie Atonement. This is called The Atonement, although the original title for it was The Cult Leader and Me.
0: Okay. That hit, hits the nail right on the head there. <laughs>
1: uh, that one was released. In, released. <laughs> that one was released in June of this year, actually. Oh, okay. The one that was originally titled The Cult Leader and Me. Yeah. Um, it features actually a survivor of attack we're going to talk about and the current leader of the group. Ooh. So the current name, well, I'll, I'll give you the original name and I'll talk about the development of it. Um, they were known as Om Shinrikyo. It was founded by Shoko Asahara in 1984.
0: Okay. Also 84.
1: That's why I was sitting here doing my notes going, are you serious? This like, I had to go back and forth anyway. So Asahara blended seemingly idiosyncratic elements of early Indian and Tibetan Buddhism taking a liking to Shiva uh, from Hinduism and millennialist millennialist ideas from Christianity believing all things will change with a coming transformation of society, sort of an impending transformation uh. Okay, sure (laughs) Uh, He also included fundamentals of yoga and the writings of Nostradamus just to round things out What the (laughs) fuck? Hey, you can be eclectic. (laughs) I mean, I like classical music, and I also like, you know...
0: Right, but but like... Like, like, you know... But here's... So here's the thing with this, though. Let's look at this analogy of a dessert. Okay. And you're like, let's combine some cake. And also, we're going to add some banana cream pie, and also some tiramisu.
1: Oh shit! This and- is becoming the pizza ep- that that pizza music video from the Olsen Twins.
0: Yeah, exactly. So you like just because like these things are all like you like all these different things. That doesn't mean mashing them together into one bowl and eating it with a spoon is a good idea.
1: Right, right, right. I mean, I I love cheeseburgers. <coughs> I'm not going to order, you know, a, a pizza with my toppings being cheeseburgers. That doesn't just work.
0: It's weird, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Moving on.
1: So, Asahara's his mission, okay, was to take upon himself the sins of the world, and he claimed he could transfer spiritual power to his followers and ultimately take away their sins and bad deeds. Mmm. So if you feel down on yourself, follow me and I will cleanse you.
0: No, I'm good.
1: No? No.
0: I'll just keep feeling bad about myself, thank you.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's why emo music was so late to Japan. No, <laughs> just, I, I'm I'm kidding, folks. I'm kidding. I'll just
0: listen to some My Chemical Romance and everything will be fine.
1: Uh, some people were upset that Om Shinrikyo was was taking some, you know, saying that it was you know kind of Buddhist connected. Yeah, a lot of people were like, "That ain't fucking Buddhist. Stop it." Yeah. Uh, I mean that that's a really non-Buddhist way to respond, but you get my me you, you get what I mean. You know? Yeah,
0: it's like you're missing. Your people are you're are going to misinterpret our beliefs based
1: on what you're doing. He was getting shit twisted. Yeah. Some people were saying, "Oh, it's an offshoot of Japanese Buddhism," and just you know, ignore them and they'll go away, sort of thing. N- no. no, 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 folks.
0: You can't in- ignore shit like this.
1: However, that's how the cult saw themselves.
0: As just an offshoot of Japanese Buddhism.
1: Yes, they're yeah. like we're no different than this and this and this. Which it's we're familiar. Yeah. And Nostradamus.
0: And also Jesus, maybe.
1: Maybe. (laughs) So, at some point, I don't really have any details on exactly when the light bulb went off. Okay. But he outlined a doomsday prophecy. Of course. There's the Nostradamus. Of course he
0: did. Of course he did.
1: Uh, Which included a third world war started by the United States.
0: Well, maybe.
1: Plausible. (laughs) Uh Depend, it
0: depends on how things go this week.
1: <laughs> he said, and it wasn't clear in my research whether this was a direct quote, so I'm not going to say he actually said this, but it was said that in this prophecy, humanity would end except for the elite few who joined Om, who, uh. who joined Om Shinrikyo. Uh, so, Om's mission was not only to spread the word of salvation, but also to survive the end times. In other words, join us or die, which, I mean, hell, you see that in you know, contemporary, publicly, socially accepted religions, too. So and and that's the tricky thing about cults, because some say social groups, some say religion. Sometimes there's a blurring of the lines. What's up?
0: You also see this in Pokemon, specifically Pokemon. Y. Really? Because that's kind of Team Flare's whole deal is they're like, we're going to bring about the end and you can only survive if you're also a member of Team Flare. OK. Yeah. No, I know.
1: Well, that's weird. (laughs) So good news, folks, though, for those who who don't like cliffhangers. Shoko Asahara predicted that the Armageddon would occur in 1997. I hate to disappoint him. That's just when I graduated high school. I'm still here. I am not the end of the world, fortunately.
0: Good. So the cult. So,
1: So what happened when the
0: apocalypse didn't occur?
1: Well, we'll get to that. Okay. The cult started attracting controversy in the late 80s uh, with accusations of deception of recruits, uh, holding cult members against their will, uh, forcing members to donate money, and murdering a cult member who tried to leave in February of 1989.
0: Yeah, sounds about right.
1: You you can't leave and tell people that we're doing this stuff. Uh, They're also known to have considered assassinations of several individuals critical of, of their group. Uh, such as heads of the Buddhist sects Soka Gakkai and uh, the Institute for Research in Human Happiness. Okay. That, again, kind of uh, seems to go against what you're claiming to be.
0: Right. I was like, I'm pretty sure the whole thing with Buddhist is nonviolence.
1: I mean, that's... And not
0: assassinating people.
1: (laughs) That's my non-Buddhist understanding of that, and I could be completely wrong on that, but I I feel like generally most most religious groups say, okay, you know what, assassination, that's kind of a word we don't want to throw around a lot, especially of other religious groups. Right. It doesn't end there.
0: Of course it doesn't.
1: Because after cartoonist uh, Yoshinori Kobayashi began satirizing the cult, uh, he was included on Ohm's assassination list. Yeah. And an attempt was made in 1993. In July of 1993, and for some of you who are listening going, this cult sounds familiar. Why do I know this? We're getting there. Yeah. In July of 1993, because they they have, I'm I'm not trying to glamorize this group in any way, shape, or form, but their, their evolution is kind of fascinating. So maybe if you're a part of something and you see this type of stuff taking place, get out. Yeah. Get out, run, hide, tell someone something. Yeah. So in July of 1993, cult members sprayed large amounts of a liquid containing bacillus anthracis spores from a cooling tower on the roof of Aum Shinrikyo's Tokyo headquarters. However, their plan to cause an anthrax epidemic failed.
0: What the fuck?
1: The attack resulted in a large number of complaints about bad orders but no infections
0: well thank god they fucked it up
1: well if at first you don't succeed yeah
0: well you know at the end of
1: 1993 they started secretly manufacturing the nerve agent sarin and later VX gas
0: I know about that stuff because they talk about it in Saw 2
1: and VX was also featured in the movie The Rock yes oh rest in peace Sean Connery
0: oh yeah oh Sean Connery
1: Anyway, to cheer myself up, I'm going to continue with this cult. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, I I still haven't come to grips with. Anyway, no, it's fine. Let's go. (laughs) They also attempted to manufacture 1,000 automatic rifles, but only managed to make one. What? So, according to testimony of Kenichi. (laughs) Okay, so according to the testimony of Kenichi Hirose. At the Tokyo District Court in 2000, he mentioned that Asahara wanted the group to be self-sufficient in manufacturing AK-74s, which is a refined version of an AK-47 that came out in 1974. Don't at me. Okay. They had one working model smuggled secretly into Japan because Japan is not a very gun-positive country, which... Good. Yeah. So they smuggled one in secretly in order to study it and use it as a basis for future ohm made ak-74s
0: so they were basically attempting to reverse engineer a gun yes how did they fuck up that badly that they it, the one that they ended up with is it the one that they bought
1: i don't know <laughs> but i do know that police seized the ak-74 components and blueprints if they had blueprints why did they need the gun I don't know. Or maybe they made the blueprints Maybe they off made of, the blueprints from the- That could be. Taking apart anyway, the gun. Who they, fucking knows? they seized the parts and the blueprints from a vehicle used by an OM member in April 6th of 1995. Now, we're getting into the mid-90s here. So, on the night of June 27th, 1994, the cult carried out a chemical weapons attack against civilians when they released Sarin in the central Japanese city of Matsumoto in Nagano Prefecture. With the help of a converted refrigerator truck, members of the cult released a cloud of sarin, which floated near the homes of judges who were overseeing a lawsuit concerning a real estate dispute, which was predicted to go against the cult. Uh, this incident killed eight and harmed 500 people. Jesus. Police investigations focused only on an innocent local resident, Yoshiyuki Kuono, and failed to implicate the cult at that time.
0: That's bullshit. For those of you who are unfamiliar, sarin gas, it's typically considered a weapon of mass destruction. Mm-hmm. It is a highly lethal, colorless, odorless liquid. Basically, it's, it's used as a chemical weapon because it is extremely potent as a nerve agent. So some of the things that will happen to you if you're exposed to sarin gas, initial symptoms... Following exposure are runny nose, tightness in the chest, constriction of the pupils. Soon after, you have difficulty breathing, nausea, drooling. Uh, You lose control of your bodily functions. Um,
1: It's not pretty, folks.
0: No. Convulsions. Yeah, it's... It's bad. Basically, and there's, like, a person's clothing can release sarin gas for 30 minutes after it's come into contact with it. So, like, if someone were to be exposed to sarin gas and go to a hospital and you remove their clothes, their clothes can continue the spread, basically. Yep.
1: But, uh, yeah. Well, thank you for that ray of sunshine. You're
0: welcome. I like. I was curious. I was like, oh, let's...
1: So, next in February of 1995... Oh, fuck. Several cult members kidnapped Kyoshi Kariya, a 69-year-old brother of a member who had escaped from a Tokyo street and took him to a compound in Kamikushiki, uh, near Mount Fuji, where he was killed.
0: See, what did I say about living on compounds? Uh,
1: You're right. Compounds.
0: Compounds are for drug dealers and cults.
1: Fair enough. His corpse was destroyed in a microwave-powered incinerator, and the remnants were disposed in the Lake Kawaguchi.
0: Okay. Why not just throw him in the incinerator?
1: Well, first, they burned him in the incinerator. Ah, then they disposed okay. of that in okay yeah lake kawaguchi okay before he was abducted he had been receiving threatening phone calls demanding uh to know the whereabouts of his sister and he had left a note saying if i disappear i was abducted by Om Shinrikyo. smart so at least he was like look i may not make it out of this avenge me
0: you could really do that to fuck with people you know Leave a note that said, if I if anything happens to me, I was abducted by, I don't know, a famous person. I'm not going to say a specific one.
1: No, because we can't afford lawsuits. No. So here's where shit went really sideways.
0: Here's where shit went really sideways. Yes. <laughs> not with the failed anthrax attack or the sarin gas attack that was successful.
1: What's what's worse than a failed attack?
0: A successful one. That's why I mentioned the sarin gas.
1: That was a test. Ah, fuck. So, in March of 1995, police were making plans to simultaneously raid all of the cult facilities. Like, they were coordinating between different locations. You've got different departments talking, coordinating shit.
0: You would have to with something that big, yeah. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's a major undertaking because they're like, look, they're probably looking at stuff and at least getting leads on, hey, we thought these guys were just kind of weirdos, but... Maybe shit's pretty serious.
0: Well, it's like with Waco, where it, was, it wasn't it was just the FBI. It was the FBI and the ATF and, like, all kinds of different... When you've got multiple groups communicating and trying to coordinate shit, it takes time.
1: Not only does it take time, but the more people you have involved, the noisier it is.
0: And the more, yeah, the more shit can get out.
1: Well, prosecutors, after the fact, alleged that Asahara was tipped off about this, and he ordered the Tokyo subway attack... To divert or distract the police. Hmm. So, on the morning of March 20th, 1995, OM members released a binary chemical weapon chemically similar to sarin in a coordinated attack on five trains in the Tokyo subway system, killing 13 commuters, seriously injuring 54, and affecting 980 more. Some estimates claim as many as 6,000 people were injured in relation to the sarin, although it's difficult to obtain exact numbers. When many vis- victims are reluctant to come forward, you also have medical professionals, first responders. Right. Basically, you've got this, like you mentioned, that that 30-minute kind of half-life on, on clothing. So any first responders, any bystanders, it, it it's a chain reaction. Yeah. Over the following week, uh, full scale of Ohm's activities was revealed for the first time. So no one had any idea this other shit was going on until about a week after this attack in the subway. At the cult's headquarters in uh, Kamikushiki, again at the foot of Mount Fuji, it was reported that police found explosives, chemical weapons, a Russian uh, export-grade MI-17 military helicopter.
0: What the fuck? uh,
1: Which is equivalent of an MI-8 for domestic uh, Russian transport and attack helicopters for all you rotorheads out there. While the finding of biological warfare agents... Uh, such as anthrax and Ebola cultures, was reported. Those fuck. claims now appear to be widely exaggerated. However, there were stockpiles of chemicals that could be used for producing enough sarin to kill 4 million people.
0: What the actual fuck?
1: So, you hear doomsday cult. This is more like, we're gonna make doomsday happen, like, Tuesday. There's
0: there's doomsday cults, and then there's doomsday cults.
1: Yeah, I Jesus, think these are the latter. Jesus, fuck. During the raids... Ohm issued statements claiming that the chemicals were for fertilizers. Bullshit! Uh, over the sarin next-
0: gas isn't a fucking fertilizer. Yeah. Fuck you. There is
1: no industrial use for sarin gas.
0: It's it's only, like, it's literally a weapon. a weapon. It is just a weapon. That's like saying, oh, I don't have this assault rifle for hurting people. I have it for hunting. You don't hunt shit with a fucking assault rifle, you idiots.
1: Yeah, so over the next six weeks, uh, over 150 cult members were arrested for a variety of offenses. Uh, Asahara was finally found hiding within a wall of a cult building known as the Sixth Satane uh, okay. in the sure. uh, Kamikushiki uh, complex on May 16th of 95, so a couple, almost two months. Yeah. On the same day, the cult mailed a parcel bomb to the office of Yukio Aoshima- the governor of Tokyo <laughs> which effectively blew off the fingers of his secretary's hand
0: oh was the secretary okay otherwise I
1: mean blew off their fingers I yeah. mean that's, that's pretty freaking traumatic I yeah, think from then sucks, on I'm not handling like, your mail
0: yeah no I'm okay <laughs> hey, can you go get my mail fuck you
1: <laughs> that, that would be my answer <laughs> Asahara was initially charged with 23 counts of murder and 16 other offenses The trial got a whole lot of publicity in Japan. Yeah. It was relatively unprecedented. I know the years I lived in Japan, there, shit like this just doesn't happen. I mean, you know, a news report of someone stabbing someone is like, holy shit, what's going on in this world now? Not, not this doomsday shit. That's not normal. It's not
0: like the, yeah, it's not, based on the information that I have read, it's not like it is in the US where it's just like, oh, this is just how it is now. They they take that shit seriously.
1: So in this trial, Asahara was found guilty of masterminding the attack and he was sentenced to death. The indictment was appealed, uh, but that was unsuccessful. Also, a number of senior members accused of participation. They also received death sentences. I say this because that's not very common. Now, something I want to Again,
0: make- yeah, the, the death penalty is- not very common in other countries like it is yeah. in the United States.
1: Now, something I do want to make absolutely clear. In no way is any of the fascination or surprise by this or or any positive sounding tone in any way, you know, a support of any of these actions.
0: Absolutely not.
1: No matter how much you l- dislike a group or an individual or an organization, you know, use your words... Take positive action. Don't take positive action by hurting someone. Take positive action in a way that that builds people together.
0: Do no harm, but take no shit.
1: Exactly. Now that being said, the biggest mystery, actually, for both of these groups, that that I've talked about, because Nexium, I, I kind of understand the why, because that douchebag wanted to get laid, and he wanted to get
0: laid and make money that and was control people. It. Yeah,
1: and. The well, fact he, that he
0: was already the fact a lot of the things that people bring up about Nexium is the fact that he was already had already be, previously been convicted for multi level marketing schemes should have been a red flag, and the fact that it took women coming out and saying no we're being sexually abused we, and they, they, they and showing like the branding and stuff that's what it took for people to finally start taking him taking this shit seriously again and and,
1: and they did that with with the knowledge that. You know what me going forward, okay, so you're gonna release some something that that could potentially damage my career. fuck it, not worth it
0: not worth it, you're going down go for it, fuck you
1: but with with these other two groups though, why yeah why why did senior leadership of a group who especially with Omshin Shinriko, they they used harmony and happiness as a lure
0: yeah, that's the thing that
1: <sighs> they had they had short anime and manga put together to recruit people why would you go to all of that work to say hey come with us be happy be saved and then turn around and kill people that doesn't fundamentally make sense in my head maybe i'm just not wired to understand how the two could coexist Because either you're for humanity or you're against it right i mean come on there's a lot of there's a lot of garbage out in humanity but you know what it's our garbage you know we can we can clean it up.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: That does not mean you're supposed to do any type of vigilante action. Just saying.
0: Yeah, don't do that.
1: So, would you like to know what happened next?
0: I was gonna say, are they? I mean, you said they were sentenced to death. Are they dead? I don't like I'll this. Get there. I don't like this. I don't like this at all.
1: <laughs> so, in 2000. Okay. The group was renamed.
0: What were they renamed?
1: Aleph or Arefu? It announced a change in doctrine. Uh, removing any type of controversial uh, Buddhist-related uh, twistings.
0: The Buddhist shit is what they got rid of. Really? Hang on. Hang on. Okay. Not
1: done. They also removed any doctrines from uh, the Christian Bible that were that were skewed and twisted and problematic. They they kind of stripped away the twisting. Okay. They, they stripped away the twisting. Okay. And again, I'm not condoning them either way because I don't so I don't know. This the
0: Nostradamus group. was allowed to stay.
1: I don't know. I mean, he, <laughs> you know, he's, he's been keeping a room rented, you know, for so long. He, we just let him stay. The group apologized to the victims of the sarin gas attack, and they established a special compensation fund. All right. Provocative publications and activities that alarmed society, those aren't being done anymore either. Okay. So if nothing else, they've at least... They've, re- a, they've, they've rebranded. They've rebranded. They put on a clean shirt. They're like, I don't know what the shit was back there. Mm-hmm. That's not us. Okay. It, that uh, documentary that actually came out this year is actually uh, with one of the sarin gas survivors and the, from, from and the And subway the current leader. And the current leader, I believe. Okay. Uh, from what I was able to find. And on July 6th, 2018, Shogo Asahara and six other Aum Shinrikyo members were executed by hanging in Japan. And again...
0: By hanging? Wow.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean... Why, why, why would they have gases or electric chairs or, or even... You know, firing squad in in Japan when death sentences aren't very common in Japan, right?
0: But you would think they would still because hanging is considered like even the U.S. doesn't do hangings anymore because it's considered cruel because you don't always die instantly depending on the way it's done. Sometimes you struggle a bit and you die. You don't if you don't fall far enough and fast enough. Your instead of your neck breaking and killing you instantly, you
1: die from suffocation. You die
0: from suffocation, yeah. which is considered cruel and unusual punishment. That's why the they don't when it comes to the death penalty in the United States they don't do hangings anymore. Hmm. They strictly it's it's lethal injections almost across the board.
1: You know with with all of and I mean again this is some heavy shit and this episode's going to be probably a little bit longer but yeah sorry you know, about it. I'm sorry I'm going to have to edit it, uh, <laughs> but oh fuck shit yeah yeah at, let's at, wrap this up. Well, <laughs> pre-edit, we're already at the hour and a half mark, so you'll probably get something shorter than that. Yeah. But one thing I do want to point out there is, especially as isolated as various regions have different, you know, quarantines, I know the UK just announced a new yeah. lockdown. Um, And being separated from other people, I mean, I am so grateful when I see Tia. Sometimes I just reach out and touch her because even though I go into an office to... I work in a room by myself, and while I see people, there's no human contact. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of human contact anyway in my office, but just this... It's almost been a year of almost no human contact, and wanting to belong and be together with someone can lead people into things that start turning sideways, like like these groups. You know, look at your friends, look at the groups that, that you belong to, and you know, don't be afraid to periodically check in with yourself and say, is this right for me?
0: Yeah. Am I doing what is best for me and my mental health? Well, because you, you work in an office and Mm -hmm. like, and you know, you are basically, there are other people in your office, but you're in a room by yourself. Whereas I, I work retail. (laughs) Yeah. I see lots of people, lots of people. And even though there's a mask ordinance in this city, it's not really super enforced always depending on where you're at so it can be kind of scary out there sometimes and i yeah i see a lot of people but the interactions are very strained
1: a lot of the times it's almost impersonal personal communication it
0: is it very much is and even with people that i that i'm close to like i I made a comment. I just realized a couple weeks ago I was having some some health stuff, and my mom was really worried about me, so when she came in the store to see me, she hugged me, and that was the first time I had hugged my mom since March. Oh shit I had not hugged anybody that I can think n-
1: well me besides
0: you <laughs> and our friend Liz mm-hmm. I hadn't hugged anybody but but you or Liz i hadn't ho- I had not hugged my own mother in six months wow!
1: and she lives in the same town
0: she lives yeah she lives in this town i see her almost on a weekly at least weekly Mm. i it's just it's just rough my niece and my nephew i haven't i haven't seen either of them physically in like two months Mm. and i haven't hugged them since last christmas probably wow and it's rough
1: i i think what we're trying to get across folks is don't
0: don't be too hard on yourselves if you feel like you're in a bad way there are there are people that care about you we care about you so if you need to reach out please reach out if you want to send me an email and be like hey this is this is some heavy shit that's going on with me right now and you just need somebody to talk to about it fuck it I will be that person for you. I don't mind doing it.
1: We're not licensed professionals, but... No. I'm really good at listening.
0: We're caring individuals that actually give a shit, And you don't have
1: to give us your bank details or sign an NDA.
0: That's true. You don't have to do either of those things. Also,
1: if you reach out to us, don't worry. We're not going to say anything. No, no. Yeah.
0: Discretion is the name of the game. Absolutely. But anyway, you can follow us on Twitter at H2HorrorCast. Uh, You can reach us on, uh, I mentioned our email. You can email us at h2horrorcast at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page. And um, again, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please give us a, you can like and review us there. And that helps us out with getting us higher in the algorithms and stuff like that. Our percentages on Apple Podcasts have actually gone up. Cool. So I don't know if that's helping, because we've put that message on the last few episodes. I don't know if that's helping at all. Possibly. I have no fucking idea.
1: the data we've got, yeah.
0: And we are looking at potentially starting a Patreon Mm -hmm. um, here shortly, so we can help, you know, upgrade our equipment and and some other fun things just to make the podcast a little bit better for you.
1: And hopefully get some, some stuff to you in return. You know, with everything in the world right now, we've been kind of slow on that, because... Honestly, people are strapped for cash, and well, yeah, logistics of getting possibly some goodies, yeah, is tricky. So it's very
0: weird, yeah.
1: But we're getting there.
0: Not to mention the fact that um, we are both going into our busy seasons at work
1: when I haven't left my busy season you haven't left your busy it's season been it just kind of changes since April but
0: I am getting I am getting ready to go into my busy season we are not planning on taking any breaks or anything mm. we have episodes planned out for the rest of the year we promise not all of them will be this most heavy. of them most of them won't be heavy like this most of them will be pretty funny
1: yeah and and you know what maybe you found some humor in this Maybe, maybe you or learned at least something. you found
0: you. Uh, hopefully, you at least found it illuminating. So, until next time, my name is Tia,
1: and I'm still David.
0: And thank you for listening.
1: Bye. Music for this episode was "Out of Time" by Shane Ivers of Silverman Sound. Our artwork was created by Katherine Nixon.